Love and Watches is a family-friendly podcast for male and female watch lovers alike. Perpetual Girl and Ranch Racer are a watch-crazy wife and husband team who've been wearing and collecting watches for more than 45 years. They enjoy bringing you the latest in collecting, interviews, news, and all things interesting in the world of watches. Enjoy the show. Hey, watch fan. This is Ranch Racer. And this is Perpetual Girl. And you guys are listening to the Love and Watches podcast. Thanks for joining us. We have a really exciting show today, and we'll, we'll tell you what's coming here in just a minute. Uh, we're going to do some wrist checks for you. And uh, there was a little bit of news. We don't do a lot of news, but there is something that we want to talk about that everyone's been talking about. And we kind of want to talked about over uh, and over. Yeah, and... Like it always is. So we want to digest it for a week or two before we before we um, threw our uh, highly coveted opinions out there in <laughs> in the interspace. <laughs> so, because so. we know there are rules to watches. And yeah, we well, must and, follow you know, them for all the millions that listen to us and <laughs> so value our, our they opinions. do. We have we have good people out there on the watch fam, and we hope a, everyone's doing good. Yeah, we have a wonderful listening listening base. Um, yeah, so we're just still dealing with fires. It got clear for a while, it but did. now it's all smoked in again. There's and a brand new one. We've got some family members displaced. Yeah, some family so members had to that. evacuate. So not sure, hundred percent, what's gonna what's going to happen with them. We're just, uh, yeah, it's just day at a time. It's your typical 2020, I guess. Well, and we have fire risk every year, so it's it's scary. Yeah. And we have backpacks with clothes in it right by the door every summer. So, Horse anyway. trailers ready to go and kennels yep. ready to shove geese and ducks into <laughs> and all that stuff. Uh, so. so being prepared is always good. Yeah. But, and uh, it's just nice to have lately, last week or so, the air quality has been better. We've actually has. been able to go outside without wet bandanas around our around our faces. So. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been a nice break. Let's just say that. Just hoping for a cool down and some rain. Hopefully soon. It's warming up again now, but hopefully uh, get into winter here soon and out of fire season, which is always scary. In the meantime, should Rolex. We, should we do some rest checks first before we talk? Oh, no, you, let's talk okay, about Rolex. Let's, let's go for it. So that's <laughs> the big topic that everyone. Rolex, yeah. But we do like we we. Have, they did their big announcement, right? Yes, and we have some pieces in our collections. Mm-hmm. And we are, I we're guess fans of the brand. We are. Let, let's be honest. We don't like the marketing and how it's hard to get them, obviously, like everybody else. But we do like the pieces. We and like of course, the watches a lot. Of course, we each like different pieces in their wide array of styles. So for me, the big um, the big news is the sub. that They made it larger. But that's been justified by everybody in the watch fam that the lugs are narrower. Yeah. It's I, not quite pre-maxi case, but... I haven't seen one. I'm still we waiting to, to actually see one in person, and hopefully that'll happen soon. But um, it's hard to judge. You know, I, I did that video a couple years ago. Like It was one of our first on-the-bench videos on YouTube where I talk about watch sizes and to not necessarily just look at case, size. case diameter. There's so many other facets to the size of a watch, which is something you'll hear about in our, our interview today with our, our guest. But uh, so it's... I don't like to jump to conclusions. I just thought it was very, very interesting in this day and age when there seems to be kind of a trend to bring sizes back down to more rational numbers, I guess, you know, case sizes that they actually bumped it, but there's other stuff involved. So I just, I have to see one before I, you know, make a judgment on it. I guess. Well, I have to say initially the, uh, the, the shock of bringing back the Frank Stella color palette 
Oh, for uh, the OP. For yeah. the Oyster Perpetual. Yeah. Me being an art person, I actually studied Frank Stella in college. So it was exciting to see those brought back. However, the originals were in yellow gold with the fluted bezel, which I thought was really beautiful. And the new ones, I do like them. I, I like some colors more than others. But uh, I think I think a bold color on a 41 diameter, that's that's pretty, that's a big statement. So not everybody can pull that off. I would have been really happy if they'd kept the 39 and not, not, not gone, gone to a 41. 41. And I think it's unfortunate they got rid of the 39 because I still have my blue dial 39. Um, 39 millimeter oyster. And I love the size. And I've got good size wrists, but it's just proportionally, it just works. It's It's elegant looking, but sporty at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's that is one that I'm a little bummed about that they got rid of the 39s. But I I do like the the 36 millimeter size and even the 31. I think the 31 is going to be primarily for the ladies. But the 31 cases they don't wear too small. Um, of course your resale on a 31, not everybody can wear that, so it's going to be you know treated more like a lady's watch. Yeah, and as we get closer and closer to the age of retirement, although I may never be able to retire, but as we do get up there, we do start thinking if we're going to spend, you know, somewhat large sums of money on watches that I want to make sure that as we get older, there's there's still worth something. You know, it's nice to know that the collection's worth something. So, Right. That being um, said, I think that turquoise blue, which is pretty, pretty Tiffany-like, I'm kind of surprised I got away with that. Oh, in the 36? In the 36. Yeah. And even the red coral is really growing on me because being a Western equestrian person living in the country, those two colors go together. So I've, you know, they're, the more I look at them, I'm, they're growing on me. You know, I, I've seen that more and more. And I, I even feel that myself when, when they first released them, I think there was, you know, there's always like tons of immediate reaction, (laughs) right? People just react. They don't, there's not a lot of thought that goes into it. Everyone these days just reacts on, on social media. So there was a lot of, negativity around the colors and oh my gosh what's rolex doing who are they trying to appeal to but a lot of people didn't know that that was a collection right the stella and Mm -hmm. i didn't know that either until one of the larger blogs pointed it out Um, no i think your wife you might have you might have mentioned it i don't know (laughs) did you know that rolex had the stella or did you just no you said they they reminded you of an artist that you studied in school but we didn't right neither of us knew about and i was chatting and i posted about it i was chatting online with a online friend and Mm -hmm. he said oh that's those and it's like that's yeah but they were in yellow gold yellow gold with the fluted where these are stainless steel but boy 41 on a lady in those colors that's gonna be huge i I think big i think there's some ladies now that they want to wear all the largest watches they can just to prove Mm. a point that they can right but it doesn't always look good and if it's if your lugs are hanging over the end and you can see air through it you start getting into you know a, a you know proportional well, I said it Size. before, and it probably angers some people. But I always, the first thing I think about is like a young child who got dad's watch <laughs> off the dresser, and they're playing dress up with it, right? That's that's what, sorry, it's just to me that's right. what it looks like, but it's just my opinion. So, but, no, but I think having it in a thirty-six, I think a thirty-four might have been nice as well. Mm-hmm. Thirty-four, mm-hmm. thirty-six. That's what your is that what your my, OP is a thirty-four? The yeah the the 34 millimeter and did they keep the 34s i didn't i don't remember or i think they did but they don't have them in not the stella in, colors not in the new colors yeah so i don't know again that's for me it's going to be one i'm going to have to see which these days with rolex is almost impossible right you have to basically say i want it and when it comes in i'll buy it well 36 is the the 36 is going to be closer to like an explorer 
vintage explorer size although my vintage explorer is a 36 but it, it with the lugs right it right. it is exactly the same size as the, the modern 34 so it'll be it'll be fun to see yeah. how they look i'm i'm excited yeah i'm, I'm gonna try not to prejudge too much until i can maybe see them and try them on but uh and i actually like that blue i to to me, it more leans more towards the feminine side. I don't know if that's PC to say anymore, but it is kind of more of a feminine color, I think. But I, I like it. I'd probably... Well, it's like a, wearing a like a cambray or a denim shirt. Yeah. And again, if it was... I think if they kept the 39, I'd be all over wanting one of the blue dials in a 39. But well, 41 is... Well, 36, you could probably share. I don't know. 36 is getting pretty small for my wrist. So I don't know. What I'd have to just see it, I guess. You always have to see it. It's impossible to make a judgment based on photos on the internet. Everyone tries, but it really is impossible until you actually it get it hard. on your wrist and uh, and see it in the metal. So yes, I have friends who have purchased watches online and they get them and they don't like them at all. So yep, especially when it you're going to invest. It does happen. So all right, so that, is that that horse is dead? We move on. <laughs> Please don't say <laughs> the, the, that horse. We is killed dead. the Rolex horse. <laughs> Please don't say that. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's move on to wrist checks, and then we'll talk about our really uh, okay. special guest today. I'll go first. Yep. I'm I'm borrowing your Speedmaster Pro Moonwatch with the Sapphire Sandwich. And actually, you put it on this <clears throat> new band that we just got that's actually, I love it. It's The band uh, itself is nice. <laughs> very nice. It's yeah. white with black trim with the rally holes. And it's the flyboard leather and rubber from Watch Gecko. And it looks so good on the watch. I mean, this this is a strap monster watch anyway. You can put pretty mm-hmm. much anything on it. It's comfortable. It's It bends. However... It's very supple because it's it, rubber it on the inside and leather on the outside. It is. So it's very comfy. And it stays put even it's when soft. it's a little bit loose. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice one. But the tail is so long. I the know. tail goes around and actually almost touches the case. I know it's even too long for me, and I have seven and a half so, inch wrists. I'm not sure I don't who. Get it. I'm not sure if this was made for Fred Flintstone. Maybe if you had nine inch wrists, it would. It but would, you wouldn't see the tail. I mean, I just I just took it off and put it on a regular strap. <laughs> Size yeah, of that. So it's. I think if if you're going to have a strap like this, this is a really high quality strap, and it is it is pretty pricey. Yeah. It should be offered with a different sized tail. Yeah, there are other manufacturers that'll even send you two different size tails when you buy one, uh, but at least give me the option of selecting a tail length. Um, or, you, you know, at this price, you're getting into the specifying your length and then having it custom. So that's, yeah, that would be for me the only drawback. It's a gorgeous, and I don't, what's this? It's called a rally style, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's got the small holes, not the big yep. gigantic holes in the center, but the smaller holes. So I think it's considered a rally style really neat band and it it's perfect with the speedy i mean it, it really looks great with the Speedmaster. it's probably what most people buy it for but uh yeah it's just, gosh that tail is so long this would look nice <clears throat> on the explorer too it would it'd probably look good on the sub i'll have to try it on the submariner it's it's very nice yeah and it actually yeah. it doesn't look too bad but it does look like i'm wearing your watch with a strap yeah, touching it, the case if like you that. didn't yeah if this if the tail was underneath your wrist so you didn't see it when you're looking at the watch it wouldn't look like that but because the tail comes all the way around it just accentuates mm-hmm. the fact that you're wearing a bigger watch on a smaller wrist so the the tail is literally maybe five to eight millimeters from the lug yeah it's from very the, close from the spring bar yeah 
but it's com- it's still comfortable. Yeah, you know, I don't feel it. Yeah. But um, if you guys out there aren't aren't you know, if you like NATOs and you're you don't care that you've got that big see that's chunk at right. the top of your wrist, then you'll love this. That's the <laughs> thing is, I, I know people are NATO fanatics and mm-hmm. they love 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 NATOs, but it's one of my bugaboos to have all these folds folded in and out and they under and over and, and yeah. you've got these these three layers of nato strap giving the the width of your wrist that <laughs> sticks off about an inch on each side it's like wow where that's a lot of fabric it definitely draws your eye away from the watch which i don't think is necessarily a positive thing because you're looking at something else but a lot of people like the natos i usually if it's a two if it's got the little tail on it i'll usually cut the oh, little yeah. tail off because then off. i can hide the the tail underneath but uh so yeah i mean if you guys have a bigger wrist or you're looking for a cool strap for a speedmaster it is a really really nice strap and that's that's the watch gecko um flyboard leather leather rubber right. water resistant watch straps so. and again this one's white on the in the center on the top and then the black on the inside the rubber, they yeah. make a yellow a brown and a blue yep. yellow is pretty too yeah great great looking and they make it in a 20 and a 22 millimeter lug width. So cool. And how about you? So, okay. I guess the horse isn't, we haven't beaten the horse to death yet. So <laughs> uh, I'm wearing a, a watch that's new to our collection. We haven't talked about it on the podcast and we haven't really even posted it much. We, I think you've posted it a couple times on the 11 watches account on, on Instagram, but during our virtual cruise, I think. That's right. Yeah. So we, we got this um, a little um, over a month ago when we were doing our virtual cruise in the backyard. Um, it's a watch that we've both kind of coveted for a while and, and seriously considered. And uh, when the opportunity and I had, you know, let let uh, Randy at our local AD, um, which <clears throat> you guys are going to be hearing more about soon here. Um, I let him know we were interested in it. And so when the opportunity came, uh, I, we went ahead and, and, uh, took the plunge as it were. So I am wearing the Rolex Milgauss and this is the, what do they call this? It's the green dial, blue dial, green crystal. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. I'd have to look it up on their website. There's a specific name they've come up with for this, uh, the 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 greenish blue dial or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's got the green tinted sapphire crystal and the orange lightning bolt seconds mm-hmm. hand it's just really neat a little bit maybe outside of the kind of norm that you see with rolex uh, that's it's, kind of the rolex for the nerd to you're, you're you know, calling i guess you're calling me a yeah, nerd is what to you're resist saying? you know the yeah. the gauss yeah i mean that's that's what it was originally for right it was for scientists who were around large magnetic fields and so it was uh, the movement was protected up to a thousand gauss you know, they've got a, a special cage in there that does that, that, that protects it from, and I think, you know, more modern, newer watches, they can get much higher magnetic resistance, uh, than a thousand. So it's not necessarily a functional thing anymore, but it, it's part of the history of the brand, but it is very thick because of that internal, um, cage. Mm-hmm. And so you, you've worn it several times. Mm-hmm. I okay. think it looks fine. It is big for you. It's a 41, I think. Um, the, the lugs thick, curve down really quite nicely though. They do. The lugs curve down nice. Which um, it needs to, to support that top. It's almost a little bit top heavy, the center of gravity. It's very top heavy because it's a thick case. And then you've got the, uh, the sapphire crystal. It's just a box crystal that stands mm-hmm. up above the top of the, of the bezel. So 
very shiny, a lot of polished, you know, polished center links, polished, fully polished case sides and top on the lugs. And there's a lot of, a lot of very shiny, a lot of fear of scratches like the, the Santos. I, I haven't worn it as much as I thought I would only because of that. Cause we got so many scratches on the Santos and even my, my That's grand, my fault. The grand Seiko is, is gotten scratched up because it's all, there's so much polished, you know, so many polished surfaces. So, but we do wear our watches. They, um, we do. They don't just sit in the cases. We do wear them. So I've been uh, trying to wear this one a lot because it's. I think it's, it looks handsome. It's a great looking, great looking watch. It's, and I think you wear it for you could wear it in dress occasion or mm-hmm. whatever. It's pretty. So that's mine. All right. Well, what let's, are we? Who are we talking to today? We are talking to Vortic Watches, RT Custer, and. We spent quite a bit of time talking, and we probably could have kept talking longer. So, neat, neat guy. You guys have probably heard. I know he's been on some other podcasts. You guys have probably heard him, but there was uh, some recent developments with the brand that has kind of put him back out there. And uh, we've, you know, it's a brand I've I've followed from pretty much from the beginning, from their Kickstarter campaign in 2014. Um, I did not partake in that campaign, which I kind of regret now because they're not inexpensive watches, but I think they're less expensive than what they're. The true value you get out of right. them. really neat, neat watches, but more importantly, a really amazing, amazing story about American entrepreneurship and you know the whole made in the USA and what does it really mean and what should it mean and um, helping veterans and just all kinds of really, really neat stories. And we could have stayed on with RT for a lot longer. But he's a busy guy and doing a lot of interviews and stuff, so it was fun to to get him on the show and, and hopefully we'll have him back again. Cause you're, you guys are going to hear some fun stuff, including some stuff that you'll hear for the first time. Um, uh, and it's just, it was fun. I have, I don't know about you, but I really, oh, really had a good time. And, and we, we have pocket watches in our collection that we've collected over the years. And some are the brands that he works with. So it, it, we initially were drawn to his company because of that collection, you know, an interest in the old brands, um, Elgin, Hamilton, Illinois, Illinois. Yep. Um, and there are more, but those are the biggest. And he'll tell us all about that, yeah. about, about the history and some of the statistics. Yep. Really, really fun time. Uh, fun interview with RT and, and, uh, yeah, we hope you guys enjoy it. I don't want to spoil it. There's, there's just so much we talked about and so many fun things. And it really, if you're into unique, items and you're into uh history history and kind of uh preserving history and preserving our past and our legacy yeah and just and just uh you know you enjoy pride and workmanship you know kind of the basics in life and it really is it's a neat story so uh i think with that let's let's get to rt what do you think yeah all right let's do it uh guys here you go here's a some time with RT Custer from Vortic Watches. All right, and we are here sitting down with RT Custer from Vortic Watches. We're really excited to have RT on. Um, this is a brand that I've been following for a while. We and yeah, uh, yeah and and you started following them a little bit ago, and and uh, we were able to to hook up with RT. So hey, man, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And you've been through um, a lot in the last few years that we're going to talk about. I think I would probably say that a, a majority of our listeners probably know about Vortic, but just for, you know, for the benefit of those that maybe haven't heard of you or don't know a lot about the brand, why don't you give us a little background on yourself and 
you know, how this all came to be and how, how Vortic appeared on the scene all those years ago? Yeah, so Vortic Watch Company was basically um, a crazy idea that my business partner Tyler and I had on the golf course after class one day um, at Penn State University. Um, we, he was a, a math major and, and I was studying industrial engineering and we both knew almost nothing about watches, um, but we started the conversation about watches because he took a, a bad shot with um, a watch on and basically blamed that, that poor golf shot on, on the watch kind of moving around on his wrist while he took his swing. <laughs> and, and I was giving him, you know, feedback on how I, I don't, I don't know if that's why you, you actually hit a bad <laughs> shot. I, I feel like that's kind of a cop out. And, um, long story short, that just kind of started a conversation on, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really wearing watches at that time, but I was fascinated by watches. And, um, I was at, he, he knew a fair amount about watches, especially like, you know, uh, he really liked vintage Timex at the time. Uh, all of us do really vintage anything, but he was telling me just everything he knew about watches. And what we got into was where the watches are made. And at that time, this is 2011, 2012, and we were just kind of starting to talk about it. Almost no watches were made in the United States. At that time, we didn't know about RGM. He was really the only one um, then. And then that was prior to like Shinola kind of right. getting off the ground. Um, and so we spent the whole rest of the golf round just talking about, I wonder if we could make a watch completely made in USA. And that's, that's the whole idea. And it took years to kind of get off the ground and a ton of research, stumbled on the old pocket watches. And we launched the American Artisan Series on Kickstarter in November of 2014. Um, and the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it, it really is a neat story, and and so for for listeners, really what what it is is you guys take old pocket watches that may or may not be functioning at the time. You pull out the movement and the dial, dial. and you put them into your own custom wrist watch case, right? Yeah. So um, most of the the pocket watch, it's the movement dial in the hands, um, and most of them come without their original cases. Um, because pawn shops around the country, they scrap the original cases for gold or silver. Oh, um, and so so shame. we get, uh, we, we call them, you know, just loose movements. They, they don't have um, any, any case, any glass to protect them at all. And we typically find them by the hundreds because when a pawn shop does something like that, they, they scrap a hundred pocket watches at once, melt them all down for the gold or the silver and, and move on. And thankfully, some pawn shop owners are, are wise enough that they know that those movements are still valuable and they keep them and they, they, you know, somehow make it to us. We go to auctions, estate buys, you know, uh, we work with auctioneers. Anytime they find valuable pocket watches, um, I'm pretty much the only one in the U.S. that buys 100 pocket watches at once. So, <laughs> I would uh, imagine. <laughs> so they, there's, there must be a list somewhere. Um, that I'm on that's like, hey, if you got a bunch of pocket watches, call RT at Vortec and, and yeah, we just, we buy everything we can because um, we look at it as preserving American history and that's, that's really true. Well, it is and you, I mean, you were literally preserving everything including the name, the name on the dial and I mean, it's 
it's all the stuff that was built all those years ago by with, those original yeah. Ameri- American manufacturers. With all the color changes that happen over time. It's, to the it's dial, phenomenal. Yeah. The styling, the font. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, it's 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 amazing what they built back then. We call them the Great American Watch Companies. There was um, roughly ten of them, um, and most of what we make it was made between about the year 1900 and the ni- and the year 1950. Um, pocket watches were made prior to the year 1900, but around around 1900 is when um, industrialization and mass manufacturing really started, and so. Um, they made a lot of the same thing, and so we can find extra parts and spare parts to restore them um, if they're, you know, not more than 120 years old. And then um, around 1950 is when most of, if not all of, those watch companies started to go out of business, um, and all watch production moved to Switzerland or China. And so that's that's really the 50-year time period that we focus on. Um, and you know, it, that that was an amazing 50 years for the United States. A lot of really awesome stories occurred then and I mean just art deco as a time period Mm -hmm. and design style one of my favorites yeah PG is a an art major so you start talking about art and she'll you'll get her attention real quick I'll get you very confused though (laughs) but but it's it's so interesting to see your work because Ranch Racer does have his own small collection of of vintage pocket watches and Mm -hmm. our local jeweler he passed away, sadly, and his personal collection was for sale. So we slowly bought, I would have to say, half Probably of them. Probably most of it. Probably at least half, half of them. if not more. And they're, they're brands like Elgin and um, Waltham. Yeah. Some of them have Hunter, full Hunter back and front opening cases. Cool. Really gorgeous pieces. So to see those made into a watch like you're doing, knowing the story about the pawn shop is, I think, That's fascinating. That's really interesting, yeah. Now, speaking of brands, are there specific brands that you guys focus on and deal with, or is it you? Will you resurrect kind of any American pocket watch? Yeah, so um, we call them, you know, the the great American watch companies, and there's there's ten on that list. There's a few others that that we we can work with, but um, just like any industry, there was. Um, a few companies that made most of of the watches. You know, the 80-20 rule, 80% of the production were made by 20% of the companies. And so um, those three were Elgin, Waltham, and Illinois. Elgin made 55 million pocket watches in their lifetime. Waltham made 40 million, and Illinois made 15 million. The the fourth largest was Hamilton, and they Mm -hmm. made 5.5 million. So if you compare the scale of those, I mean, Elgin and Waltham, were basically 80% of the industry, just those two companies. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm talking about just American pocket watches. Um, and, and Elgin and Waltham also were around for over a hundred years each, you know, they, they were the big ones. Um, so it, it, you can kind of compare them to the, the car manufacturers today. You know, you got Ford, GM, and, and then there, there's all kinds of other car manufacturers, but the big ones make most of the cars. Right. That makes sense. Yep. No, that makes perfect sense. Now, you, you did mention one brand in there, and we're going to talk about it for for a second. Um, we know you've been through some tough times in the last few years, and some of our listeners probably don't know the whole story about what happened with Hamilton and Swatch and a lawsuit and some recent... Um, outcomes there that were just phenomenal for you guys so what the heck happened i mean how did that all get started and 
I believe it started from an ad in a magazine and, and kind of snowballed from there. So let us know, you know, tell us what, what the heck happened and, and where you are now. Yeah. So the lawsuit's called Hamilton v. Vortic. And um, basically, just like you said, we salvage the original dial, hands, and movement from these old pocket watches. Hamilton was the fourth largest watchmaker. They made over 5 million pocket watches. And so we inherently found some Hamilton pocket watches and turned them into wristwatches. Um, they, those wristwatches still say Hamilton on the dial, and it says Vortic on the back. Um, and Hamilton is, uh, the trademark for Hamilton is owned now by the Swatch Group, um, which is a $10 billion mm -hmm. Swiss conglomerate. Yeah, not exactly a small um, little podunk operation. <laughs> No, and, and Hamilton is, is obviously a subsidiary of, of uh, Swatch, but they are still, a, a, I mean, probably $100 million company at least. And so, um, long story short, they didn't like that we were, in their words, putting their name on our product. Um, and we got a cease and desist in May of, of 2015. Um, and so we've been fighting this lawsuit for uh, over five years. Um, and finally, um, on September 11th, 2020, we received word from a federal judge that um, the United States justice system sided with us on all counts, and the case was closed, and we won. We defeated the world's largest watch company in federal court. <laughs> so, best news I've ever received. Um, and, and we got him, and we never did anything wrong, and for me, it was um, ultimate validation because I thought we never did anything wrong. I had a feeling, you know, the, the legal system would side with us. Um, all of my friends and customers said, you know, this is awesome. Um, you really need to keep doing this. Um, and, and we fought and, and we won. What a story that, that is just, and it was five years of being dragged through all that. Imagine. I mean, it, it had to be, it had to be trying on you. I'm sure. I mean, that's, you were into this for maybe a year before that hit hit your business. So just the fact that you had to deal oh, with sure. that for so long is amazing. Yeah, when we got the cease and desist, we hadn't yet shipped a single watch. Oh, we launched God. in 2014, late 2014 on Kickstarter. And you guys know how Kickstarter works. We hadn't actually manufactured the, and started shipping the watches right. yet. Right. Uh, and so I just thought it was a, a mistake. I was just like... <laughs> You know, um, I, I found the the CEOs of all the companies on on LinkedIn and reached out to them and just said, "Hey, I, can we have a cup of coffee and talk about this? Because I really, I think if if you gave me a chance to explain myself, I think you'd actually really like what we're doing." And I'm almost in my mind giving you free advertising because exactly. I'm, and these I'm were, promoting the history of Hamilton. Right, and these were movements yeah. that were essentially scrap out of like a car, a roller, pull the engine out. They sold the outside, sure. and yeah. these, these movements were laying around doing nothing yeah and the worst of it was um, about 20% of our business is what we call convert your watch where if you have a family heirloom pocket watch you can mail it to us and we'll convert it to a wristwatch as a service um, we're the only company in the world that does that as like a, a primary core function of a business um, and a lot of the, the pocket watches that people were sending us were Hamilton pocket watches and that to me you know that was why I, I fought. That's why I dug my heels in and said, there's no way this is wrong because it, the customer knows exactly what they're doing. Like they 
are putting their grandpa's pocket watch in a box and mailing it to me and I'm converting it to a wristwatch, restoring it and preserving it for them. I mean, zero confusion from right. the customer, right? Yeah. Yep. So, um, and that's, that's really what the lawsuit was all about. It was trademark infringement and counterfeiting is what they alleged. Um, and so all of that kind of stems into making sure the consumer is not confused. Right. Um, and I just, I knew that my consumers were not confused. And so I was just like, this, this can't be wrong. Yeah. Well, and the judge got, I mean, I, I read the, you know, the statement from the judge and it was a hundred percent right. I mean, there's counterfeiting is such a different animal. It's when you're trying to pass something off as something it's not, which Mm -hmm. is not what Vortex is about at all. You guys are about restoring history. And it it is amazing because you get these big brands that have teams of lawyers that are just looking, they're just sitting there looking for a fight, right? And we've been through similar things in the past, not with the podcast, but with other things. And it's like they're just looking for something to, to go stomp on somebody and the fact that this was kind of a david versus goliath and and david won is really it's well, a great story and essentially really you're, you're helping them like you said promote their name and you're preserving Absolutely. the history the wonderful history of the company in a modern you know strong case to protect this person's heirloom or yeah. this this piece of, of american history so i think that person who essentially went after you was doing hamilton a disservice you know, by, by kind of stopping. Lawyers do need to, uh, they need to earn their, their pay, right? <laughs> so they're, they're looking for <laughs> oh, ways to I earn know. their pay, right? <laughs> I know, but I'm just looking at the, the historical side of it. But Yeah. And and now these watches that come in, are, are you servicing them to make them serviceable? And I kind of wanted to get into that sort of thing with um, your team of watchmakers. And I, I do know about the Veterans Watchmakers Initiative. And I know that you're involved mm-hmm. in that personally, your company, yep. and uh, the podcast here, we're involved in it because we're going to be getting, uh, we're on the list for the Traveling Watch Project. So I, I think it's awesome that oh, yeah. we've, we're kind of connected in that way. So I'd love to hear more about your involvement with the, the Veterans Watchmakers Initiative. Yeah, well, going back to your, your uh, original question, uh, the, basically the first step, if we if you send us your, your grandmother's or grandfather's pocket watch and we convert it to wristwatch, or if you buy something from our website that, you know, the movement probably came from a pawn shop or what have you, the first step is restoring the movement. And I use the word restore, even though a lot of people say like a, a, a cleaning or a service. Um, these things are 100 years old, so the word cleaning or servicing just doesn't even come close to to getting to the level of of need that they have. And so we fully restore each piece. Um, We try to get the the antique pocket watch movement working um, just as well, if not better, than when it left the factory 100 years ago. Um, And we have a small team of watchmakers that are actually around the country, um, and they all currently um, except for the the school, the Veterans Watchmaker Initiative, all of our other watchmakers have been restoring pocket watches longer than I've been alive, and they they like to remind me of that periodically <laughs> when, I, when I ask questions. Um, and I'm I'm gonna turn 30 this year, so I am fairly young. But um, they all that to say, very highly skilled watchmakers love working on pocket watches. They love what we do. Um, for all these reasons that we're talking about right now. And I love working with them for all those reasons. Um, and when we when we found out about the Veterans Watchmaker Initiative, 
it was perfect because the biggest problem we have in our business is there's not enough watchmakers. There's not enough people to do the, the servicing and the restoration on these pieces. And, and you both as, as collectors probably feel this too, as, as do most Americans who like watches and especially those who like vintage watches. There's just, there's not very many people that know how to work on them. Um, and when you send your watch off to get serviced, you might not see it for six to 12 months. You right. Know? And then um, they come back not even fixed. That's happened to us too. For yep. sure. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and it's not their fault. It's there, there's, there's like maybe a hundred of them in the country. Right. Um, so, so the veterans watchmaker initiative is solving that problem for us, um, for us as a company, but for us as a nation. Um, but more importantly, they're solving a bigger problem, which is giving purpose to disabled war vets. Um, and I couldn't possibly love that organization and what they stand for more. Uh, both my grandfather served in World War II. Um, they were both you know, businessmen and entrepreneurs afterwards, and they both credited a lot of their success to just the diligence and patience and hardworking um, ability that they learned um, by serving our country. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love everything about Sam at the Veterans Watchmaker Initiative, and I will continue to do everything I can to help them and support them because, I mean, it's just amazing. And we totally agree. I, I have an uncle, a brother-in-law who's just recently retired as a career Air Force uh, person, and Ranch Racer's dad it was in the Navy as well as his uncle. Yep. So when I see you talking about projects that could potentially change so many people's lives it totally brings me back to all the wpa projects back in the day oh, with yeah. with um and those were those were simpler projects but they actually got people in accomplishing important things giving them jobs um this is this is a, a, a valuable skill that is is essentially going away with new generations so i i just hope this gets huge huger and huger mm -hmm. for you yep. yeah well and um you know, it's a little bit double dipping sometimes because when these students graduate, um, they might come work for me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hopefully, uh, hopefully paving the way for, um, for more jobs for these people as well. Um, but worst case, you know, we're, we're giving back to, to people that I know need it and I know will make a difference because they already have. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and you've got, so you've got some future plans along the lines of the veterans watchmakers initiative and partnering with them. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Cause that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, every year we come out with um, what we call the military edition um, where we, we use Hamilton pocket watches um, that say GCT on the front. They were the master navigators pocket watch during world war two. Um, and they were made for the United States army air corps. Um, back then and were flown on all the B bombers. So we take 50 of those, turn them into wristwatches and sell that limited edition once a year on Veterans Day and $500 from each watch goes to the school. Um, last year we, we sold out in like eight hours and immediately as soon as we could uh, donated uh, $25,000 to the school. Um, we will continue to do that every year. Um, this year we have a whole bunch of, of extra stuff. We have a, a special edition um, of 15 on top of the 50, so we'll do 65 uh, watches this year. Same deal, $500 from each will go to the school. And then um, 
we this is actually the first time I'll, I'll even say this anywhere we saved serial number one of the first edition um, and we didn't sell it and we're going to auction that off um, which I think will bring uh, I mean 10,000 or more just by itself um, and we'll also donate a hundred percent of that uh, to the school so we we have a lot planned just for what we call our, our military edition launch um, this year and we're going to the school um, on Veterans Day, November 11th. We'll be in Odessa, Delaware at the school, do a live launch with all their students and their whole team. Oh and I will write them a check in person uh, for that donation that day because we, we expect to sell out. I think we have 3,000 people on the waiting list for only 50 watches. Whoa. So, um, so hopefully that's a good day for all of us um, this year. And then at some point next year, just as soon as we can get the 501C paperwork done, um, Vortec will launch the Vortec School for Advanced Manufacturing, and we're going to teach young people how to become watchmakers and machinists um, with a focus on micro-machining and advanced industries like 3D printing and metal 3D printing, mm. um, because that's what my business partner and I are, are passionate about, and that'll basically be a sister organization to the Veterans Watchmaker Initiative, not focused on veterans, just focused on any person. Um, we'd we'd like to focus on people uh, right out of high school um, who you know maybe college isn't right for them. Um, who knows? Maybe college doesn't exist in the future. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <Yep. laughs> it's, it's a thing. Um, but there's a huge skilled trade gap, especially in watchmaking, but definitely in machining and CNC machining and just manufacturing, mm-hmm. um, which goes against everything you might think because American-made is so popular right now, mm-hmm. but there's not enough people to make in America. So anyway, uh, we're really passionate. My business partner, Tyler, and I are really passionate about, obviously, Made in America, but um, giving all these skills that we've learned back. Man, that is a fantastic story, and I can't wait to see all I'm that just evolve. Sick. My mouth is just open. Yeah, I it's, can't, it's really um, cool. I mean, the, the, those skills go are such crossover in so many different industries here. And we, in years ago, we used to be strong, and we had whole entire cities working in... And manufacturing in, things. And manufacturing yeah. things. So it would it would make sense if there's a need for for these people to have a, a fantastic skill you know it starts here and, it yeah, starts yeah. with you know, someone yes for sure and watchmakers don't have to work on watches like if you get a watchmaking degree and you are really good at, at working with tiny little parts um you can go to work for for almost any manufacturing company i mean um we read a story about someone who went to work for nasa um, you know, and the, there's tiny little instruments on the space shuttle that need to be assembled and they need to be perfect every single time because someone's life is in, in yeah. danger, yeah. uh, literally. And, and who better to do that than a, a skilled, um, you know, military veteran, uh, for NASA. So that's, that's really cool. And, you know, I think a lot of the machinists that we, that we train will go work for, I mean, right. Tesla, um, Google assembling, like what, what if Google brings some of their, you know, phones or electronic equipment assembly o- over to the U.S.? Somebody's got to do that. Yeah. Um, so there's some cool stuff coming down the pipeline and there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of jobs available for those people. Well, well, I myself, I spent 10 years in aircraft maintenance with a major airline and I'd say more than 75% of our employees were ex-military and they were older, older men. You know, I was yeah. in my twenties at the time, so I was a, I was an oddity there. So that was, 
you know, really interesting to see that industry. But though, you know, those people are all retired now. So right. we, you know, as those jobs weren't filled, we're, we got to get people back in them mm-hmm. and continue because the, yeah. the the work was good. The work was good quality work that I saw on our aircraft, mm-hmm. and people are flying in my planes. So yep. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Now, speaking of these movements and creating your cases, you've used the 3D printers. And I personally have noticed that, you know, you're using a primarily larger size pocket watch. Are there any mm-hmm. any thoughts of moving towards um, a smaller, I think, yeah, what sizes are like 12? Yeah, because if you look like at like the pocket or... watch sizes and, and your case sizes, like a, I think a... Um... Uh, 16s movement, which is around 43 millimeters, so you end up with the 49 millimeter case size, or a 12s, which yep. is around 40 millimeters, roughly, you end up with a 46 millimeter. So, yeah, what are, are there are there plans to maybe yeah, like, use like, like a zero or a 6s? Right? Something for someone that was looking yeah. for in between a 38 and a 40, or a 36 and a yeah. 40, 41, which would which would fit you know a, a female or a smaller man. Yep. Sure. Yeah, so um, I can get into grave detail about all that stuff if you'd like, but um, <laughs> let me let me give you the the one thing that was one of the hardest things for me to learn as an entrepreneur and and a salesman. Um, so I I am a fantastic salesperson. I love talking to customers. I love the art of the sale, the uh, psychology of marketing. Um, I I love that more than engineering, but. Um, the hardest lesson I had to learn is that not everyone is a customer and that's okay. And, and that's really how I would answer this question is that most pocket watches made a hundred years ago. I mean, probably 75% of them were either 12 size, like you said, which is a 46 millimeter wristwatch or 16 size, which for us is the 49, like the military edition, or some of them are even bigger because they have to be like our railroad edition is 51. Um, that's what we do. That's what we always will do. And we will not make anything smaller as Vortec Watch Company than a 46. Maybe we can make the case a little smaller using advanced manufacturing techniques and get it down to like 44, 45 over time as we just perfect the engineering. But that's pretty much it. Like you said, there are movements that were made in the zero size and the six size, which would make smaller watches. First of all, they didn't make very many of those. And second of all, a hundred years ago, those smaller pocket watches were either made for ladies or what they call the gentleman's pocket watch. They were much more jewelry and marketed like jewelry back then a hundred years ago than they were um, tool watches. You know, the larger pocket watches were used on the railroads and used every day um, by anyone who doing any kind of work. Those smaller watches were designed to be in your vest pocket and worn only on special occasions. Um, or like my so nurse's reason, watch. They're a lot more fragile. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I have a, I have yep. a pin on um, um, nurse's piece that's small. Yep, and so they were, yeah, they were a pin, um, they were a brooch, they were uh, worn around your neck. Um, nurses used them, you know, hung upside down around their neck. Um, but that's it, that's, there weren't very many of those and they are, they're, there's no other word, they're fragile. And so um, we, we have tried, we, we've made a few of them, um, but they can't get to the level of quality that Vortec watches um, are, are supposed to be. 
and so we will not we're not willing to put our name on something that's not perfect and so we're just not willing to make it i get it the dna just isn't there and and i know firsthand from my pendant watches that it'll work one day and then i go walk out to it doesn't get work something the in the garage day, yeah. and then it doesn't work the next day and it, <laughs> it's, it's swinging yeah. around and and well, now it's now it's just jewelry yeah. and, and as a as a marketing and the, major and customer service you know issues that you receive from things like that are yeah are not worth it <laughs> yeah no I, I hear you and and as someone with a marketing degree and someone that's in sales as well <laughs> um that was a perfect answer i will tell you though there's a huge sad face across the table from me you can't see it right now and don't be surprised if pg keeps hammering on you so i'm just warning you right now <laughs> so two two things i can do to solve that one is you, you and we talked about this before we, before you hit record is you need to see one in person so maybe i can send you a sample of our um, our 12 size it's 46 millimeters but um i'm an engineer and you're just going to have to trust that i put <laughs> Myself and my business partner, we put everything we have into taking a 46 millimeter watch and making it fit your wrist like a much smaller watch. We have a lot of women with small watch, small wrists, men and women with smaller wrists, um, that that love our watches because first of all, we use titanium for everything, um, so the watch is very light. We wrap the lugs around your wrist so it wears very well and it's balanced very well. We use a heavy, thick leather strap so that it balances as you move your wrist um, and then the crowns at 12 o'clock which is also really cool and a fun conversation starter but when you think about it having the crown at 12 o'clock makes the whole watch feel and look much smaller um, and oh, yeah, so we did everything we could to make these as wearable as possible and we get nothing but fantastic feedback about that you know on our reviews and we have I mean, probably almost a hundred five-star reviews on Google, Facebook, and website right now of people saying, "I thought this was going to be bigger. I thought this was going to be too big, but it's not." And so you kind of just have to see it in person to to feel it. Um, so that's one thing I can do to help solve that. And the other one is um, um, another thing we're working on, which we'll launch. We're going to do some prototypes next year. We'll probably officially launch the brand in 2022. Um, but the, our new brand, it'll be a sister company of Vortic, and it's called Custer and Wolf, which is my last name and Tyler's last name. And we're going to take all of the beautiful vintage and antique designs that these old pocket watches have, and then our industrial Americana, you know, case design style, and put that into a whole separate brand um, that's as much made in America as we can but is, you know, the 40 millimeter average size that everybody wants right now. Gotcha. And then, so that would use most likely like some sort of off the shelf movement. Yeah. You know, a, a Swiss, yep. um, or, or maybe even a Miota, depending on the price point we're after. Yep. Um, there are companies working on, you know, setting up assembly facilities for, um, foreign movements in the U S. So at least the movement can be assembled in America. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why we're doing it under a different brand so that it doesn't have to be 100 percent American made and Vortec watch company can continue that because that's really what we stand for. Um, but we're also solving this other problem of a, how do we scale the company? Cause we can't make very many pocket watch conversions a year. Um, and that's one, you know, we could make thousands of those watches and B, how do we, you know, how do we, perpetuate these amazing designs that are one of a kind that you can never see again 
um, we could make an homage of that, basically. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm looking right now at the Springfield 218 with the mm-hmm. the grayish dial. It's got the gold font, the gold crown. With um, It's like the second to last one on your page there. And it is just, I mean, yep. the designs, the fonts, the, the Elgin to the right with the, the center circle with the braided rope. I mean, these are all yep. They're gorgeous. totally timeless Art Deco. Things. No. Yeah. People don't make things like that today. Um, and so we could we could make a hundred piece limited edition or a thousand piece limited edition that looks like that watch. And we can even use a picture of that watch to say this design of, of this watch was inspired by the Springfield 218 that was made in 2020, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, never to be seen again. It was one of a kind, just like all Vortec watches are totally one of a kind. So it's yours and yours alone forever. Um, we could make a thousand or a hundred that look like that, but that are, yeah, 38, 40, 42. Um, and, but everything else looks the same. Um, and, and so that's, that's our next step. Um, and our next big thing for, for Vortec is, is coming out with a whole nother brand and, um, having it be scalable and, and also achievable. Like our, our, we want our price points for that brand to be in the Shinola price point, um, 800 to 1500 or so. Right. As opposed, I, I think most of your stuff starts around 2000 right now, right? Two to 10, two to 2000 to 10,000 is our yep. current price point. Yep. Now, now one thing that you, you kind of touched on and you talked about it a little bit, uh, regarding your new initiative coming up with bringing, you know, kids maybe right out of high school, but, it's not exactly going to be what you would consider necessarily your classic watchmaking curriculum because you come from an engineering background and as unique as your product is, something else that was very unique about it, and I don't know if anyone else had done it previously, uh, your American Artisan series, the cases were actually 3D printed titanium. Um, yep. What was the was the decision? How did you make that decision? Was it a cost costing or price decision or just something you wanted to do that was different from what's out there because it's 3d printing does it's it's a very unique look right and i know some of your newer your newer lines like the the railroad or the military they're actually cnc machined out of a a single billet so talk a little bit about the 3d because i think that's really fascinating that you you made that decision when you first launched the brand yeah thank you so um we Vortec Watch Company created the first 3D printed uh, metal case uh, for production um, in the watch industry. And um, Panerai, I think, says they were first, but Panerai's marketing team just doesn't know. They probably still don't know we exist, so I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. fault them for that. Um, it's totally fine. We'll be friends someday when I get big <laughs> enough to get on their radar. Right. Um, and to answer your question, we did it because I thought it was cool and I wanted to do it. And it's awesome. Um, so 3D printing in titanium is called direct metal laser sintering. And it is the coolest thing on the planet. Um, you start with a bed of powdered metal that looks like a thin layer of sand. And four lasers shoot down from the top that you can't see. And just slowly, in about 10 hours, these cases just grow out of a bed of sand. Um, or in this case, powdered titanium. Um, and then you, you, you let it sit and it kind of bakes and finishes. And then in a matter of basically overnight, you're holding a finished part that's completely done. It needs a little work here and there and a little, you know, clean up around the edges and some machining for the O-rings and stuff. But 
the fact that you can go from idea to product in that little of time is why 3D printing exists. Um, but many people don't know you can print in metal, especially titanium. Titanium's a very hard metal to work with in every way. Um, and so the look in somebody's eyes when I can hand them a watch and I say, this was 3D printed from titanium, and I just blow their mind in five different <laughs> facets, um, it's so cool. And the, the point of, of, of Vortec Watch Company, obviously we, we salvage and restore antique American history, but it's a Vortec is Vortex and TikTok, a beautiful clash of old and new. And that's what that is. It's a hundred years old on the inside, a piece of American history that you can stare at and look through the glass like a museum, but the outside is cutting edge technology that nobody even knows exists. Um, and so all of that is why I do what I do because I'm building a conversation piece. I'm not creating a watch. Well, with that 3D printing technology, I'm looking at your Boston 364 right now in detail. And, yeah. and it says that it, this is also one of the 3D titanium, correct? The laser printed. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at that bezel, the top has the, a little bit of a texture that kind of yep. reminds me a little bit of my, I have a 1920s um, ladies boliva. And that, you know, people didn't yeah. put a lot of precious gems in there because they didn't just have them. So they did a lot of in intricate carving with the metal. So that it, even mm -hmm. though it's a new case, it does give you that flavor of some of the design metal work to give you those bevels and, and edges to kind of pick up some light. Yeah, we did that on purpose too. So the, the bezel of the 3D printed cases um, is printed on an angle and it's the perfect angle to show off the layers in which it was printed. Um, I think of it like uh, Colosseum style. So if you the, the watch is printed flat, um, so you know the diameter of the watch is, is facing straight up at you on the, on the bed um, of metal. And as you grow it, as you print it, the bottom of the bezel closest to the dial gets printed first. And then the next layer, the next uh, concentric ring around the dial is printed. And then so on and so on and so on. Um, because each layer is 40 microns, um, which is very, very small. <laughs> but if, <laughs> really you, if you angle, if you create that angle um, perfectly, then each layer will be 40 microns and each step of the bezel will be 40 microns. And so um, that design feature was on purpose and we wanted it to look like you're stepping down into the dial even though those are just the layers in which it's printed. So sort of like very small tree rings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Of, uh, which yeah. I, I grew up on a Christmas tree farm. So um, <laughs> that's, that's my thing is uh, count, count the rings. See how old it oh, is. Yeah. Right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and the amazing thing is you're using such new, innovative technology. But in the way you do it, it, it really gives it, it still gives it a very vintage vibe. I mean, it's, it's bringing these two worlds together. And I just think it's it's... It really isn't a, a cool technique to use for these. Um, but you did go to uh, CNC for some of the newer uh, releases, like I said, the, the railroad and I think the military, right, as well. Um, what what was yes. this, the decision there to, to move away from the 3D printing from those lines and, do, and go more towards the CNC? Um, the fact that we could do it all ourselves. Uh, we have our own CNC machines um, here in Fort Collins, Colorado, where we're based. And um, for especially the military edition, 
we needed to own as much of that design and engineering and manufacturing process as possible because it has to be absolutely perfect and we're only making 50 of them. Um, so to have a contract manufacturer do any piece of that would cost a fortune. Um, and so we, and it wouldn't be as good because we weren't standing there watching the machine, making sure it was perfect. Um, and so that's why we went CNC uh, machining um, and using billets to, to make those. Yep. Um, in the future, we'll, we're gonna keep making um, 3D printed titanium watches forever. Um, the, the coolest part of it is, is we can constantly change and upgrade those, those designs constantly, all the time. And, and I think um, that, will, that will help us come out with new things more often if we use printing still. Um, but it'll just help us kind of like keep that design side of our business alive. That's amazing. And and I'm it's flexible. Sh- yeah. I'm going to show my yeah. nerdy side. I, you have Haas <laughs> machines, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a I'm a racer and a Formula One fan and and cool. uh, yeah so I know about Haas so most of our listeners are having yeah a we're working on uh, right <laughs> we're working on a huge partnership with um, Autodesk and Haas Autodesk is the the company that makes the software that we use for design work mm-hmm. um, and Haas is the it's H A A S um, is the the equipment that we use for CNC machining. Um, and those machines are actually made in Los Angeles in a massive yep. factory. Um, so even our machine is made in USA, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but we're working on a big partnership with them because my, my business partner, Tyler, taught himself how to use both the software and the machines via just YouTube. Um, you know, he, he was a math major, so he was not even an engineer like me. Mm-hmm. We just figured it out. Um, and, and they love that. And so we're they're going to basically use us as an example customer in their marketing, which will be, I think, pretty sweet. That yeah. is very cool. Well, yeah. Autodesk has been around a long time. I know I know people who used to, I worked for people who used to work there. So I've tried. It's I, a, credit to you guys because I've watched lots of videos and I still can't figure out how to do that. So I'm just not, maybe I'm just not artistic enough, but I cannot figure out Autodesk. It's just, it's just time. Yeah, lots and lots of time. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it. You know, now we, we don't actually, we have a 3d printer, but we just kind of use it to, to make fun stuff for the office. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go from idea to CNC machine metal product in an afternoon. Wow. God, that's, that's, well, those, that's those machines have changed so many industries. They're, they're making prosthetics for birds and all kinds yeah, of, I mean, amazing. any material you can imagine, I, I believe from metal to, you know, silicone and it, it is really incredible. Well, and using using that that technique for your watches, you can customize every single one. When you get your customers who have an heirloom, then you're mm-hmm. ch- just changing your your programming, and it's perfect. So, yeah, and one of the things we're we're gonna do at at some point, <laughs> we have a huge list, if you can imagine. <laughs> um, but um, there there's no one no one makes replicas of the vintage parts anymore. Um, and obviously all of these antique watch companies are out of business. So when you're restoring a pocket watch, um, you have to like scour the internet to try to find a mm. screw or a balance yeah. wheel or whatever. And so um, we are perfectly capable and we could do it today. We don't have the bandwidth, but what we're going to at some point, we're going to make replacement parts for the vintage watch restoration industry. So if you are a watchmaker and you're fixing a, a pocket watch that was made in 1880 and they only made 10 of them, 
there's no way you're going to find a screw for that. Um, but Vortec Watch Company can make it. So um, you can call us and send us send us an example, and we'll have it to you next week, and you can finish that restoration project for your customer. That's very cool. So you're 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 helping keeping the stuff alive, even if it's not something that you're selling, which is amazing. Yeah, we live in a gold yeah, rush and here. Caveat on that: it's it's not anytime soon. Okay. <laughs> we have <laughs> constant requests to do that right now, and wow. I keep saying like, yes, we'll get there. But we're talking like 2025, probably by the time we get to that idea. Well, it's not like you guys have anything else on your plate besides starting another brand and having a starting five-year a watch lawsuit school and, and <laughs> getting through a lot. I mean, you know, yeah. Come on, you got the all pandemic. kinds of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I probably should spend some time with my kids. You know, I've got, oh. got a one-year-old and a three-year-old at home, oh, so wow. got to be a dad too. So a little oh. bit of balance here and there. For sure. Wow. Well, you've certainly accomplished a lot at a young age. You're an impressive person. I mean, huge, huge respect to what you've done and and what you've had to go through to get to where you are today. It just, it really is, it's a great watch story, but it's a great American story. I mean, and that's what, you know, we're always looking for unique things on Love & Watches. When we review a watch, it's usually something that's very unique. Or when we have someone, the, someone on the podcast, it's usually something that's, we, we try to find unique stuff and I, it doesn't get much more unique and innovative than what you guys have done with Vortex. So huge props to you for, uh, for getting to where you have today. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's kind of, uh, for me, just an, an honor to be able to lead this team and all they do is take my crazy ideas and bring them to life. So I'm, I'm just having fun. That's fantastic. Well, as we wrap here, what is, what's, is there one thing that if a, a customer or, a, or even more importantly, a potential customer um, hears the term Vortec watches, what is, what is the, the one thing that you really want them to, to understand or what, what do you want to stick in their mind about your brand and your company? Yeah, I mean, um, it would be our, our tagline. America wasn't assembled, it was built. And that's what we've said from the beginning. And the meaning is America used to be American made, used to be synonymous with quality. And I'm talking the early 1900s, right? Ford building cars. Um, and we still are. We can make amazing things here. But typically, when you think about luxury wristwatches, you think about the Swiss. Um, and, and I like to say, that tagline, America wasn't assembled, it was built because we build watches here, 100% American made with American made machines and, and all that stuff. But it's, it's not because we're just hardcore patriots and that's what we love and it has to be made in USA. It's not about that at all. It's about doing it the right way with the right people and the right tools to achieve the perfect quality that can be an heirloom passed down for generations just like these pocket watches were wow that's that is that's awesome and i i love what you said there at the end because made in the usa needs to be more than just a tagline if it says made in the usa and the quality is terrible then it doesn't mean anything so i i really like <laughs> yep. what you added there and I, I think it's it's a great sentiment and I'll, i will tell you that i think you've been successful because you, you brought pg to tears here so it's a neat story and <laughs> and we just uh, no, we really admire one. the brand so rt i we know you're busy and and uh, you have other 
other important engagements besides us, but we just really wanted to thank you for taking the time to be on the show. And for our listeners, uh, if you want to learn more, go to VortecWatches.com, V-O-R-T-I-C Watches.com. Uh, they're just incredible pieces. Uh, personally, I think underpriced given what, what they are. It, it's just the value is, is absolutely amazing. So RT, thank you so much. Uh, look forward to having you on again as, as you develop the brand and your new brand and everything else going on. We just, we, we love the story and, and it's been a great, great time talking to you. Thank you so much for following along and, and having me. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Yeah, we'll, thank you. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. And there you have it. What a fun time with RT. Wasn't that great? Yep. Neat guy. Really cool guy. Um, he's accomplished, like I said, he's accomplished so much. Man, if I'd accomplished what he's accomplished at, at 29, man, <laughs> I, it kind of makes me look back and go, God, I, maybe I should have applied myself more. <laughs> Just really neat guy and, and uh, amazing head on his shoulders and really built a neat brand. And now that he's passed all that right. ridiculousness. He's, en- he's endured a lot, but he's there's so yeah. much potential there to help so many people. And create yeah. a, a new, uh, you know, more growth in an economy and, a, and an industry that used to be huge here. Yeah. yeah. And all over the world. So it'll, it'll be really fun to watch the, the evolution of that. It, it will be. And it was exciting to hear about the new brand that's going to be coming out in a couple of years and, and the, the uh, new watchmakers initiative. Just so many things that, you know, the guy's got a full plate and he just keeps piling stuff on. I mean, he's got a lot of energy and a lot of drive and. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's going to be real fun to watch what, what, uh, what he does in the next few years. And we'll definitely have him back on the show. You know, it's, I don't see why we wouldn't as, uh, as they embark on all these new, uh, new projects. So mm-hmm. that was cool. That was fun. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, well, and I apologize if my voice sounds a little scratchy cause we've had, we've had smoke in the air for months. Ugh, yeah. It's not been good. So we're, 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 we're both, uh, we've been suffering just, a little on an allergy front yeah, and we're eking through sore throats and stuff, but everyone is, I mean, it's, it's been a tough year for fires as, as we all know. Um, yeah, I think that's it. So as always, please, um, give us a follow on Instagram at love and watches. Um, you know, we're, we're available pretty much anywhere. If you guys are listening, that means you found us, but, uh, especially if you're listening on, um, on, uh, what is it? Apple Podcasts, you know, iTunes. Take a second to just give us a quick review. We haven't read a review for a while, but we do read those occasionally. And if we do, you'll you'll get some swag and um, got some really really nice reviews. So we appreciate yeah, everyone that is, has taken the time to to write a quick review. So if you can, please do that. And I've even gotten some DMs from people suggesting, you know, we can't hear this person's voice on your yeah, thing. So they've helped us, us the with feedback. our technology and asked us to, you know talk about certain things so we really do appreciate that i um there are times when i don't check the dms daily depending yep. on what's going on but um yep. but i check both accounts both my perpetual girl and the love and watches account and yeah and we're going to be delivering another love in our listeners spotlight here in the next show or two uh so for those of you that may not know what that is we bring on a listener just a, a collector and someone that listens to the show we talk to them about their collection and what they you know just their life and and we've done a, a couple now and it's been really fun and uh so if, if you're interested in being on the show just reach out to us at you can send us an email at admin at 11 or you can dm us on instagram and 
and uh, PG will get back to you. And and uh, if it if it makes sense, we'll get you on the show, get you on the schedule, and we're we're starting to build a good list. So, um, yeah, we, those those are fun. I think for me, I love interviewing. I love it was fun with RT and. We had, you know, VJ from Oris and we've had Formex on. I love bringing, bringing those types of interviews to you guys, but I, that's my favorite thing. When we have our listeners on the show, that just, well, for me, opposite, that's it. You know, we love talking to the manufacturers, where they come from, where the watches come from, and then they get to the customer and then we get to talk to the actual end user of the watch Yes, and they yeah. tell us about that and how their, their watch collecting journey or. Which is different for all of you out there, it's right? I mean, amazing. Yeah, it's neat to hear the story. So, so definitely let us know if you'd like to be on the show. I think that's it for today. It is. Are we good. So right. take care, all everybody, and stay safe and uh, keep hanging in there. And hopefully, twenty twenty will be over soon, and it will <laughs> this will all be behind us. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, stay safe uh, and thank you as always for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care. Bye.